أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون ونروي بإسناد متصل عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يدعو أعوذ بك من البخل والكسل وأرض للعمر وعذاب القبر وفتنة الدجال وفتنة المحيا والممات وصدق الله العظيم وصدق رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم All praises to Allah and may his peace and blessings be upon his servant and messenger our master Sayyidina Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم Allah Ta'ala said in his book, O you who believe, fear Allah as he should be feared, and die not except for in a state of submission to him. And we read with an unbroken chain of narration the hadith of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, narrated by Anas bin Malik and included by Imam Bukhari in his Jami' Sahih, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to Pray to Allah, saying, I seek refuge in you from miserliness and from laziness and from the most decrepit of ages and from the torment of the grave and from the torment and tribulation of the false Messiah and from the torment and tribulation of life and of death. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, taught this dua. In particular, the seeking of refuge in Allah Ta'ala from the tribulation and the torment of the false Messiah of the Masih al-Dajjal at several different occasions. And it's narrated by several different companions of Allah Ta'ala Anhum. This is the narration that we read right now of Anas bin Malik, but it's narrated by Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha the mother of the believers and the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, as he used to teach this dua to his family members ﷺ. By Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas who is also the first cousin of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, and a great custodian of his knowledge ﷺ, and a number of other companions. There are very few hadith that are so widely transmitted. And the idea is what? that this is not a waste of your time. This is a relevant topic and it's a relevant discussion. Human history and human civilization as it <coughs> progresses toward this point. And I use the word progress deliberately because the word progress has a very positive connotation in our culture, but it's not necessarily a positive or a negative thing. If you're progressing toward a car crash, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. Depends on what you're progressing toward. The human civilization will progress toward this point where the Dajjal will come and there will be consumers. There will be people who are ready to lap up the falsehood that he is going to preach. Some of them also will be Muslims like you and me in a legal sense. However, Allah Ta'ala will expose what's the true secret of their heart. And I also have no doubt that there will be people who are not Muslims in a legal sense, 
but because of some purity in their heart, his coming will make things clear for them to the point where they will enter into the deen. And so we continue from where we left off last week, knowing that if we see the Dajjal, then these ahadith of the Messenger of Allah will be very relevant and will be very important and will be very beneficial for a person. And if we don't, then we'll at least know how to put the brakes on that process of that process of human progress toward what is one of the greatest catastrophes uh, in creation. We narrate uh, the hadith of Sahih Muslim. عن ابن شهابن قال أخبرني عبيد الله بن عبد الله بن عتبة رحمه الله أن أبا سعيد الخضري الخضري رضي الله عنه قال حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حديثا طويلا عن الدجال كان فيما حدثنا به أن قال أبو سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه he mentions that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, spoke to us at some length with regards to the Dajjal. And so from the things that he said uh, in this lengthy discussion, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, mentions that this Dajjal will come to Medina and he'll reach the Sibakh, the, the dried salt marsh that is outside of the Haram of Medina Munawwara. And then he'll stop there. And it's narrated in Bukhari, it's narrated in a number of hadith collections that this Dajjal will literally visit every metropolis in the world. Every major city in the world, he'll visit it. With two notable exceptions. Medina Munawwara, may Allah Ta'ala increase it in its honor. And Makkah Mukarramah, may Allah Ta'ala increase it, in its, increase it in its sacredness. That the angels will be standing at all the roads and all the points of entry into these cities in arrayed ranks and we'll stop him from coming forward but he's gonna front as if yeah I'm gonna go there as well and so that day one of the people of Medina Munawwara he will come out uh, he will come out and he will face the Dajjal in this Sibakh outside of this salt marsh outside of Medina Munawwara and it's narrated in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ as well that during the time of Dajjal, if he's not able to come in, obviously non Muslims talk to Muslims, people figure stuff out, right? Why is it that the people are not going to all flee to Medina? Allah Ta'ala Himself will cause earthquakes and tremors, three of them, major earthquakes to happen in Medina Munawwara, which will scare, which will scare every Kafir and every Munafiq that's there, every non Muslim and every person who proclaims Islam outwardly, inwardly. They carry with them the reality of disbelief. It will scare them and they'll be kicked out. This is something very important to know about Medina Munawwara as well, by the way. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he mentions that the difficulties and tribulations a person faces in Medina Munawwara are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like the pumping of the bellows. 
You know what a bellow is? Do you know what a bellow is? Yeah. You would expect, right? Like the uncles, they're from a different country. They wouldn't know. You guys should know this stuff. It's English, right? A blacksmith. You know, in the old days, they had blacksmiths that would work with metal, right? So what happens is the, the fire burns with oxygen. So they would have a special pump that would pump more air into the fire and it makes it burn hotter. Why? Because when you can meet, heat metal up really, really hot, what happens is the impurity inside the metal that makes it crack and makes it weak, it starts to burn and become ash. That's why the, they used to hammer the like, swords and things like that when they were red hot and you see the sparks fly off. A lot of that is just the impurity. So the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, that, that the Medina Munawwara Allah Ta'ala pumps it sometimes like with the bellow, like the nafikh al-kir, uh, so as to heat it up. So what? To shake off the slag, the impurity from it. And so this is going to be an, another iteration of this process. That there will be an earthquake, it's not really going to harm people, but it's going to scare people. People who don't have Iman and Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they're going to be like, well, we came here maybe to, you know, lay low and to enjoy ourselves and have like a halal uh, Big Mac or whatever. And this is getting kind of scary, so we're out. But the one place that was a refuge for them, they'll abandon it because of their lack of faith. And so, after this process, this man is in Medina and he also knows that the Dajjal can't enter into Medina. But out of his ghayra and his concern, his himaya, his fervor for the honor of the deen, and for the honor of the city of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he himself will go out to face the Dajjal. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a number of lengthy ahadith, he, he mentions this, uh, 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 this encounter. But we'll suffice with uh, this one from Sahih Muslim, which is actually one of the shorter ones. فَيَقُولُ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّكَ الدَّجَّالُ الَّذِي حَدَّثَنَا He'll say to his face, he'll go and meet him, come face to face with him. He'll say, I bear witness that you are the false messiah, that you are the antichrist. Because of the, the words that the messenger of Allah وسلم, told us to that effect. And the Dajjal will answer to him. And he'll answer to his audience as well. And this is one of the things many of the hadith seem to indicate. Which is that the Dajjal, wherever he goes, it will be kind of like a show, like everyone will be tuning into it. Maybe it's a talk show. Maybe it's a reality TV show. You know, maybe it's YouTube Live or Facebook Live. The ancient people, I wonder how they used to think about these things. Nowadays, when I read these hadith, it seems very clear how these things are going to go down. And Allah knows best. So in front of his studio audience, and in front of the listeners and viewers at home. This man will come to him straight to his face and say, I bear witness that you are the Antichrist. And so he'll say to him in front of the audience, he'll say, what do you think? If I kill this man and I bring him back to life, will you doubt my, will you doubt my being God? Will you doubt my claim? And they all say, of course not. We, it will remove all doubt. If you could kill a man and bring him back to life, it will remove all doubt. So he kills him and he brings him back to life. In another narration, it's mentioned in, in gruesome detail. 
that a saw will be brought and this man will be sawed in half and the two halves of that person will be pulled apart and the Dajjal will walk through and then he'll turn around and he'll walk back and then he'll say put the two halves back together and he will miraculously bring this person back to life. When he comes back to life he will say the first thing he'll say he'll say Wallahi ما كنتو He'll say, by Allah, my vision was never clearer than it, it's become this day. Because he knows this is going to happen. The Messenger of Allah told him it's going to happen. And he will then affirm and confirm his statement from before. That this person who did all of this hocus pocus, this person is the Dajjal. And this is important, this is important to remember, which is what? This is a genuine question. Why is it that when the prophets come with miracles, their miracles are a proof that they came with the truth? And when the Dajjal does all of this fancy stuff, which is really uh, uh, mind-blowing, why is it that it's not a proof that he's Allah, but it's a proof that he's a liar? One reason is this is because the Prophet already told us that this is going to happen. So we've been warned. But even then, in an usuli sense, still both are performing miracles. Why should one believe one over the other? The reason is that the claim of the Nabi and the claim of all of the Prophets is something that's very simple and is very ma'qul. It's something that makes sense. And the mu'jizat, the miracles are just there to what? To confirm something that you and I already know, which is that the heavens and the earth didn't come from nothing. That they had a, a creator. Nothing in this world of causes and effects exists on its own. It all has to have a cause. All the things that we know. We all know lying is wrong. We all know cheating and stealing is wrong. We all know that murder is wrong. We all know that being a jerk to your mother is a bad thing. All of these teachings of the deen that the deen is founded on, they're all common sense. Sometimes a person may suffer from some issues inside. You know, they're having a bad day or they had a bad childhood or you know, something or another affects them in such a way that when someone says the truth to them, they're not ready to accept it. So the miracle is there to jar them and to remind them there's something bigger going on than your personal gripes or my personal gripes. Whereas the Dajjal is a man, he'll claim he's God. How can you be claimed to have created the heavens and the earth and you're also part of the heavens and the earth? How can you claim to be God when you're a human being? And not, a, not any human being, but a human being that's like missing an eye. That has the word kafir written on, on, on his face. It's a joke. All of it is a joke. Everyone knows on the face of it, it's wrong. If a person came to me right now, pious or evil, either way, and they showed every miracle under the sun and told me 2 plus 2 equals 5, I'm not going to believe them. Because you know it's wrong. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So this Dajjal will come with this claim. And this man will, for all of the above reasons, stated reasons, and for reasons that are secrets inside of his Iman as well, he will say that I've never seen more clearly than I see this day, and I know that you're the Dajjal. And the Dajjal will try to kill him in front of everybody, and he's not going to be able to. He's not going to be able to. 
And in a longer narration, it's mentioned that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that the Dajjal, part of his kind of traveling freak show that he has going everywhere, is that he will have on one side of him uh, a, a, like a door that if you look through it, it's like there's Jannah on the other side. And there's another door, and if you look through it, it looks like it's the hellfire on the other side. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, if you, any of you ever is forced to take one of those two choices, go through the fire, because the fire is, a door on the other side is Jannah. And the, the paradise that he has, it's a door on the other side is the hellfire. Like everything else he says, it's all a lie. And so he, after not being able to kill him, he'll say, well, you, he's going to force him. You have to go through one of these two doors and he's going to pick the, the one that looks like the fire. And on the other side will be Jannah and Allah Ta'ala will accept him as one of the greatest of martyrs. But the Dajjal will try to kill him with his own hand and it will be a sign for everybody for all of those, uh, 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 for all of those uh, henchmen that followed him, that was it not for Allah's enabling him, he's not able to do even the most simple of tasks. And it's very interesting. There's a simple, there's a short hadith uh, narrated by uh, Al Mughirat ibn Shu'bah, who's an interesting character to say the least, from the companions of Allahu anhum. وَمَا يُنْصِبُكَ مِنْهُ إِنَّهُ لَا يَضُرُّكَ قَالَ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّ مَعَهُ الطَّعَامَ وَالْأَنْهَارَ قَالَ هُوَ أَهْوَنُ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ ذَلِكَ A man asked so much about the Dajjal and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, answered him and Mughirat ibn Shu'bah said well I also asked a question which is what? He said that they say, the people say that the Dajjal, because the companions used to talk to each other about these things. They say that he has a mountain of bread. And the word bread, Allahu Alam, literally he meant bread or just food. And he has rivers with him, meaning he has food and drink with him wherever he goes. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said what? He said, Hu ahwanu ala Allah min thalik. He said, do you think, you think that he is so powerful and do you think that he's such a big deal in front of Allah Ta'ala that he... The, the commentators write this, this is what the Prophet is saying, because ostensibly he'll do all of these huge miracles that are very impressive and intimidating. But when Mughirat ibn Shu'bah says, I heard he has so much food and so much drink with him, the Messenger of Allah says, don't be so impressed with him. Don't be so impressed with him. In front of Allah, he's meaningless, he means nothing, he's less than a fly in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Literally in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said about every person who disbelieves in Allah, that that person means less to Allah Ta'ala. No matter what president and king and palace and money and stocks and bonds, CEO, any of these things. They mean less to Allah Ta'ala than the wing of a gnat. Do you know what a gnat is? You should know English, man. You look it up in the dictionary. It's an it's a insect smaller than a mosquito. So can you imagine its wing is going to be very big? It's not. It's worthless. That person means less to Allah Ta'ala than that. So the point is, don't be impressed with all of these things. But للأسف الشديد, if we never see the Dajjal, this is a lesson still we didn't learn. That some Muslims are saying to this country, come help me kill my brother. And the other one will go to the other country and say, ha, come help me kill my brother. And so you'll have entire Muslim countries in the Muslim world that are occupied by fighting forces. The only one who dies in the middle is the Muslims. Why? Because the ta'zim, because the magnification of bread and water. The Dajjal, the Prophet said, don't be so intimidated by him. All of the test he's doing is just what? It's something Allah is testing you through. He himself means nothing to Allah Ta'ala.
And look, one last hadith I wanted to share, inshallah, because time is long and uh, uh, some of our elders then be, they yell at me afterward. It's narrated by Anil Nawasi uh, ibn Sam'ana Al Kilabi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, qala, Zakara Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Jala. Fakala, in Yahruj, wa anafikum, fa anahajiju dunakum, wa in Yahruj, wa lastu fikum, famru'un hajiju nafsihi, wa lahu khalifati ala kuli muslim. And Nawas bin Sam'an narrates, radiallahu anhu, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned the Dajjal. And he said that if he comes out while I'm still here, I myself will go and face him on your behalf. I myself will go and face him on your behalf. And if he comes and I'm not amongst you, then everyone will have to face him on his, on his own. Every individual will have to face him on his own behalf. Wallahu khalifati ala kulli muslim. It's a beautiful dua of the Prophet sallallahu like the dua of a mother who wishes to protect her children, but knows that she can't be there at all times. So that if I'm here, I'll face him on your behalf. Don't worry. But if I'm not here, then I leave Allah behind. You have to face him yourself, but I leave Allah behind me in order to take care of uh, each and every Muslim. So whoever, whoever sees him, let them read over him the first ayat of Surah Al-Kahf. Because it is your protection from his fitna. And this is a sunnah to read Surah Kahf on Fridays. And the, uh, uh, there are narrations about the 10 first ayahs of Surah Kahf, the 10 last ayahs of Surah Kahf, the recitation of the entire thing. People should read it. It's a very interesting surah. And don't just think it's like you read these ayahs and then somehow the jaw like melts like the wicked witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz. What is it? There's a protection in it for you, both in the unseen realm, but also use your brain. All of the stories in Surah Kahf, the Surah Kahf is replete with stories. All of them have to do with what? People facing strange circumstances and strange difficulties. The only way they'll make it through those difficulties and through those circumstances is what? By just trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you really have no other thing that you can do in those situations. And how Allah ta'ala comes through for the slave. So many people, you and me, think that Allah has abandoned him in this world. Yomul Qiyamah, you'll see, does Allah abandon somebody or not? We're the ones who abandon one another. Allah Ta'ala doesn't abandon anyone who calls on him. That's the day you'll see, is Allah Ta'ala true to his promise or not? And in this world, Allah Ta'ala also doesn't abandon people. But if shaitan should put this thought into your heart, then know that the one who dies in this world, for that person, death was better than them. And a day will come where both that person and me and you, all of us will bear witness to it. So he says, read, read these uh, uh, opening ayahs of Surah Kahf on him. Because it will be protection uh, to you from his fitna. We said, how long will he be uh, in the earth? And the Messenger of Allah responded, 40 days. But his first day will be like an entire year. One day, but it will last a year. And a second day, but it will last a month. And a third day, but it will last like a week, like from Jum'ah to Jum'ah. And then the rest of his 40 days will be like normal days. What's the first thing that the companions, radiallahu anhum, asked? Is it takfina salatu, yawmin wa layla? Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la. 
says, no. They ask, can we just, during that day that lasts a year, do we just pray five prayers during that day or what? And he said, sallallahu alayhi wa no. Rather, use your, use your ability to reckon time and your time schedules and all these other things that we have. Use your ability to reckon time in order to see when would you have prayed. And just keep your prayers according to that schedule. Don't follow the schedule that, that, that seems to be occurring. Again, literally the heavens and the earth seem to be falling apart. What is the first thing that companions of Allah on whom their concern was? The Salat. It was what? It was the Salat. You're not going to be able to fight every battle through your money, through your job, through a degree, through your passport, through your slick talk, through your physical fitness, through taking a selfie with the politician. You're not going to be able to get through, get through all of these things that way. The only way anyone ever gets through anything is with the help of Allah. And sometimes he wants us to use the means and sometimes he'll test us in a way that we know that we have no means to use. All we can do is call on him. And this is why the companions عنهم, were the khayrul khala'iqi ba'd al-anbiya. They're the best of God's creation after the Prophet And it is a potent, potent lesson for us as well that the only one who will survive this tribulation and the tribulations that will come before it and after it is the one who holds fast to Allah Ta'ala and holds fast to his remembrance and calls upon him sincerely by day and night and holds fast to this Mubarak knowledge which will be like a light for them in a time where everybody else is enveloped in darkness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Allah protect us from ever seeing this fitna. If we ever have to see this fitna, if He decrees that we have to see this fitna, may Allah ta'ala give us tabat and firmness and steadfastness in its face. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum. ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم